on Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric Smith. Oh my God, we're doing it. We're doing it. It is almost 11 o'clock oh at my night. God. Guys, it's so late. <laughs> it's so late, and this was the only time I could record. So thank you, Eric, for accommodating my insane schedule. Yeah, no sweat. Guys, honestly, <sighs> this is a treat because one, we're both going to be super loopy. Yes. Second of all, this is probably the freshest episode of Light Treason you're ever going to oh, get. True. You're going to be hearing this mere hours after <laughs> we're putting it into existence. Although, so this is like, it's like hanging out with your best friends. It's like <laughs> almost, it's pretty close to real time. Although we are going to be talking about stories that like. No, I've, the stories are yeah, super old. Yeah, they're not <laughs> Everything, super old, but yeah, it's not like it's breaking news. Uh, guys, I acted in a show today. Wow. And then I had Lloyd practice, so you, my brain is fried. Yeah. You acting in that show was such a journey. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, everybody was great. It was a really gla- great class show. There were just, like, some challenges. In yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, super cool you got asked to do it, though. But that's and, also, uh, like, the joy of doing theater. Well, it's the joy of, of theater, of live theater. And also... You know, with all the challenges that come with doing a student show like that, what I think is cool is the reason that there are challenges is because they really empower the students. Yes. So. And, it, like, usually if there's challenges, it's because somebody fucking went for it. Yeah. And it's like, cool, man. You went for it. Yeah. It's not like a regular, you know, doing. Uh, I just finished a Sketch 301 uh, as a student. And um, you have so much freedom to do whatever you want to do and there's yes. and, and you know you get graded on it afterwards yeah. but it's not like it's not you know you you there's certain structures of education where it's like you're kind of like you know handheld through the process and like when you get something wrong they're like no this is wrong and change right, it right. whereas doing this kind of stuff they kind of let you fail all the way up to the end and they then at the, and then afterwards they're like oh this is what you should do next sure. time and they'll like <clears throat> teachers will try to give you guidance but like my favorite sketch teachers were always the one where at the right before you start like casting it and doing like rehearsals and stuff you narrow down your sketches to two sketches yeah and then like sort of collectively people decide on what's the stronger sketch and yeah my favorite teachers were always the ones who were like do the weirder one yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. do the one that's super weird and yeah. like yeah I, that was always my favorite yeah uh, so what did you do today, Eric? What did I do? Uh, let's see. I got up, uh, I got up early and I, uh, I went to work for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I came home and I did like personal work. Why do you only have to go in for an hour sometimes? It was just like, um, uh, I just had to fill in like a small gap in, uh, in, in, uh, coverage. Gotcha. The weekend. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, because normally I don't work on the I work from home on the weekends, right? Um, but there was like a small gap in coverage, so I just went in and filled in for like an hour. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. and then I uh, went home and just did like personal work. I'm trying to do more music stuff, so I've been working on that stuff. And then I uh, uh, did that for most of the day. Just kind of spread it all out and kind of did it leisurely. While do you want to plug stuff. that music gig you have coming up? Uh, or not see. so much. Yeah, no. Uh, let's. Um, well, I play bass now in a band called Vajra, V A J R A. We don't have any. We have shows coming up. Um, a lot of them are in the Midwest. Like we're doing a, a little week long tour in the Midwest at the end of July. Um, 
And then I also uh, am doing my first solo show in New York on Monday the 25th. Hell yeah. Yeah. Very cool. uh, Luckily, a place that is a block from my house. Oh, how convenient. Yeah. Amazing. There's this coffee shop that opened up um, around the corner from me uh, that is getting a lot of press because it's, I think, the first coffee shop in New York that serves CBD infused coffee. What is that? The it's like the non psychoactive cannabis drug. Oh, okay. So it doesn't like it doesn't like get you high or make you trip, but it has all the benefits of. Uh, I forget what it's. It it has a lot of benefits for like anxiety and stuff like that, but it doesn't make you like it doesn't uh, give you it doesn't make you high. But it makes you feel relaxed. I think so. Yeah, I think okay. that's the benefit. I think that's the part of um, it. I absolutely need that. I've heard it's really good. I mean, I don't know anything about it, but I've heard like reading online because I was really confused when they opened because I was like, how does this play? Because it's like kind of marketed as like when you're like when it was getting a lot of press, um, you know, it was like, oh, this place serves weed coffee or whatever. I was like, how is, it, how is that possible? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it turns out that's not technically correct. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But- I that's why I smoke pot for anxiety. Right. So, so I, I need that. Yeah. So supposedly the CBD is the, it's the it has the and you know, the uh, calming like anti anxiety sure. part of it just without the psychoactive like very cool. high part. Uh, well, and that stuff's legal. I gotta so check they can, that out. Yeah. Um, supposedly it has good benefits. Very I, don't, cool. I don't know anything about it. Uh, guys, while we are in the pop culture section, I wanted to talk about the very, very sad news of Anthony Bourdain oh, dying by suicide um, at 61. And obviously, I wanted to talk about it because we had talked about uh, Kate Spade dying by yeah. suicide on the show. And um, like we talk a lot about food shows on yeah. this show. Yeah, and yeah. you had mentioned Anthony Bourdain before i love anthony bourdain yeah it was the man i i i loved him even though he hated vegans but i loved him (laughs) i i honestly i've only seen i think one person online since the news broke like a vegan commenter like say something shitty about him not the time (laughs) yeah i've only seen like one person say something um most people that i know that and most people like online that are vegan still loved oh yeah i and you know whatever like i didn't i never took anything about that personally uh it's cool man he he was such a a kind empathetic person yeah well he actually he i saw a lot of people of color talking about how he did an international food show without being like a creepy colonizer about it. Yeah. Like he always gave props to the local communities, the local cultures. He was never like the white man invading to like steal recipes. Right. Well, which even, is surprisingly rare. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, even before he had his shows, you know, the the essay that he wrote and the eventual book that became Kitchen Confidential, which is like what made which turned him from a chef to a like media star Mm. like even at the beginning it was sort of like you know he really romanticized like the back of the house and the restaurant and really like gave a lot of life to you know like uh, the immigrant labor that works in kitchens Mm -hmm. and just like in general like 
you know the poor people that work in kitchens yeah. and you know the the line cooks and all that stuff like even the earliest writings as a as a head chef he was filled with a lot of empathy for all the like the lower rungs of the ladder yes well cause, and, yeah he had worked all those jobs yeah uh, exactly yeah. yeah and so and then it's sort of like and then he started this food travel show and like that same sort of spirit just kept you know uh kept kept on where he would he used this show to like which I thought was one of the reasons when I started watching his show, one of the reasons that it really brought me in was that he would go to these places and in a lot of food shows are about like really like, you know, uh, like fine dining and fine cuisine. And there's a lot of that in his shows, but also it's like he, a lot of his shows when he would go to like places like Iran or, um, a lot, a lot of countries, you know, part of the show would be, he would try to find people that would just, invite him over to their home yeah and well be like uh, home food. i saw a lot of people talking about how his show he did uh in in gaza with uh, oh, staying yeah. with the palestinian family that was, but that was the first time they had seen like palestinian people represented on tv yeah totally. which is i mean just bananas to think about but also it showed how important he was and how generous he was and with using his platform for something good because he really believed that we have more in common than divides us and i think he used like food as a vehicle to show that where it's like look i'm staying with a palestinian family and they're just like your family and like they're all cooking together and you have more in common than them than like the cartoonishly vilified portrayal of palestinians that like the Israeli government projects to the world. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the reason I started watching, I was always, I really, always, really liked cooking shows. But the reason I started watching Anthony Bourdain shows is because one of uh, the f- um, he did an episode of Parts Unknown in the Mississippi Delta, which is where my family's from, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually goes to the town where my family is from, oh, wow. in uh, Greenwood, Mississippi. And, uh, I mean, I grew up in Alabama, but my whole family is from Greenwood, Mississippi, both sides. And, um, so when I saw that, I I decided to sit down and watch the episode and it was like, you know, I knew who Anthony Bourdain was. I knew he was like a famous chef or whatever. And so watching, like watching that show, watching the way he treated like the people there, it really, uh, you know, I think I said on Twitter, I was like, it was one of the first times I felt like I wasn't from nowhere right if that makes sense because no, like, it really helps to see yourself represented on on tv yeah. or in media of some kind because then you're like oh i feel seen <laughs> yeah well before you know before i moved to new york when i was living in alabama it was like you know i i've always lived in like very small rural places and there's like it's really easy to feel cut off from the rest of the world there sure. um even with the internet and stuff like yep. that it's like it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. And you sort of feel like you're gonna be there forever, and you kind of feel like, you know, uh, it kind of feels like that's just like your destiny. And so, watching that show, watching that episode of that show, is really like seeing like this person who's like considered like a celebrity mm-hmm. and and something like that. Like to be like you matter. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. matter. Just like and treat like you know the real food of that place like with the same regard and as, as like fine. Yeah, and he was so respectful of communities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, I just wanted to talk about, without naming names, there were some people on Twitter shaming individuals for 
like posting the national suicide prevention hotline number and saying like that's not enough you need to like reach out to people and I agree with that like it helps to like you know check in with people but also let's just remember that oftentimes what we see on Twitter and Facebook statuses are imperfect ways that maybe like men people with mental illness are reaching out to other people with mental illness yeah and it like doesn't help to shame people for trying to help in their own way yeah i think we have a real problem where like there's i think people don't really get the idea that you can critique something like without saying that like it's a perfectly like it's I think the correct thing to say to say like you know you shouldn't just post this hotline number when somebody you know dies by suicide mm-hmm. and not do other things right you know what I mean to sure. say like you should you know do you know do like check in on your friends and stuff like that saying that's one thing and then but then saying like then going the extra step of like shaming people or saying like you're not being you know you're not helping or yeah. you're you know the extra step is like why why it's do like, you need that I know how to help somebody who's really sad add a layer of anxiety <laughs> yeah you know like I think it's you can do like a critique and say like oh like just like you know small like I think it'd be perfectly reasonable to say like it's great that people are sharing the hotline. It's great that people are paying attention to this now, but there's also extra stuff to be done besides yeah. just sending a tweet. That's a perfectly reasonable critique. And I think that's really helpful, mm. but I think, yeah, going the extra step to like the shaming and stuff is so it's, it doesn't help. And maybe it's just out of, um, you know, sadness, yeah, like I frustration. So. Cause yeah. it, there's been a whole, you know, there's been several prominent, uh, suicides recently and I, I've seen some people talk about like, man, if Anthony Bourdain, who was fabulously wealthy and got to tour the world for his job, and if, if even he died by suicide, then it's like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, look, depression is a disease. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't mean how success, it doesn't matter how successful you are, any of that stuff. If, if you have it, you're going through it. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't matter how much money you have. Right. You know, that doesn't magically cure you of depression. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I should also say I don't know like what happened with Anthony Bourdain. I don't mean to say like he He was pretty open about having problems with depression. Oh, okay. I, mean, I didn't know he, that, yeah. Like I don't know if he ever got like a diagnosis. I don't know if it was clinical, but he, I mean he was pretty open about you know having these I mean he you know, when he was younger, he was like um uh for uh, an addict for a little while. Oh okay. a heroin addict. Um and that's actually one of the most endearing I mean, it's a harrowing episode, but one of the most in, uh, to me, one of the most interesting episodes of the show is he does a, a parts unknown in Massachusetts, oh, um, yeah. which is where he's from. Yeah, uh, and huge heroin epidemic. That's that's most of the episode. Wow, it's like you know, it's a food show, but he really like a lot of the episode is devoted to you know the heroin epidemic mm. in, in Massachusetts and and the you know the Northeast and in the rural areas in general, because um, he dealt with it. Right, um, right. So yeah, I mean, he was pretty open about you know having his demons and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, nobody's going to know what was going on sure. at the time. And it's always such a complicated, like, host of factors Yeah. that even if you have depression, there can be, like, multiple triggers. And, 
it's hard to pin down like one specific thing. Yeah. I think what's so shocking about Bourdain for a lot of people is it wasn't just that he was rich and famous because I think he was both of those things. But a lot of people have been that way. Sure. You know, I think like Robin Williams was that, you know, mm-hmm. obviously very successful. But mm-hmm. like b- for a lot of people, Bourdain like symbolized having the perfect life. Yes. Which is like not only is he rich and famous, he's literally traveling the world and he's eating like the best food. Handsome and charming and like yeah. literally has it all. Yeah. Yeah, like people a lot of people, you know, I I I saw a lot of people say that afterwards of like this guy had the life that everybody like that I want. Yeah. Of like, I saw a celebr- like I forget which celebrity was talking about him, but they were like he was James Bond. Like yeah. when you met him, you were like damn <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean for me you know what's interesting is like not just you know the idea of his life because i think a lot of people see it and they're like oh i want to have a life where i travel the world and eat good eat food, food. And yeah. <laughs> but yeah everybody wants that life but i think what the thing about bourdain was like for me at least when i was what what gripped me about his show and him as a person was that like the sort of way in which he sort of just went for it with his life and was like right. i know what i love and i'm gonna just do it you which know? is so inspiring and i i think a lot of people can find inspiration in that i think yeah um uh jeff rickley the the singer of thursday mm-hmm. um posted on twitter he was saying like a lot of his friends careers have been started because of inspiration by Bourdain and not like food related inspiration but just like that spirit yeah Yeah. just like really going for it and really like I know what I love and I want to just do it you know yeah and I I saw a lot of people like how can we honor Anthony and like his memory and I think that would be a really great tribute and I think would make him really happy to know that a lot of people found their bravery because of him I think so I think that and like the two things I always took away from Bourdain is like that sort of like passion for life and and like yeah that bravery to like really follow follow your passion but also like i was thinking about bourdain in relation to mr rogers because i talked about mr rogers Mm -hmm. i think last time i was on the show about like you can't uh, shut up eric about mr rogers guys i'm always talking about mr rogers i'm like Like, i get it i'm just gonna talk about mr Uh, rogers why don't you marry him (laughs) i look i would but he's dead (laughs) In a in a second, <laughs> um, but no, because the documentary is coming out and it's like already winning awards and stuff about Mister Rogers. Oh, right. But yeah, when I was talking about Mister Rogers last time, I was talking about how like you know it's so interesting that people always talk in such high regard about Mister Rogers, but nobody wants to act like Mister Rogers. Mm-hmm. And I think like the same thing with Bourdain. It's like I think the biggest thing people should take away from Bourdain is just the way he really like he really just uh had a, like a really like intrinsic kindness towards everyone mm. and would like you know he went to all of these countries that people say are unsafe you right. know i mean he his, a lot of his episodes like the one where he went to iran was like at the height of like the u.s's tensions with iran right and he just went and like found you know people and right. just like met people oh, there i would be remiss to not talk about the fact when he was asked some question in, in an interview about like what celebrity he would want to meet and he misheard it yeah and he thought it was what celebrity would you want to kill kill yeah and without missing a beat he was like kissing her 
Yeah, Henry Kissinger. Yeah. yeah. He also said, I think it's in his book. I think <laughs> it's in. looks so funny. There's a quote that goes around a lot. I think it's in Kenshin Confidential where he talks about traveling to Cambodia. Oh, was yeah, like, yeah. It's like, you can't travel to Cambodia without wanting to like murder, murder. Henry, Henry, Henry Kissinger, Kissinger with your bare hands. <laughs> he like, hated him so much. Because it's, well, he hates all of that. All, he, like, he hates bullies and war criminals. Bullies and war criminals. And just like in general, like. You know, authority figures that uh, create these tensions with these countries and then you go, it's like, there's no tension. Right. It's all made by the governments. It's like the people, when you go meet the people, they're all lovely right. and they're, they're, they're just like you. They yeah. just live in a different place and they all have the same wants and needs and goals as you. Yeah. Um, so if you want to honor Anthony Bourdain, be kind to people and punch a dictator in the face. Yeah. Punch Henry Henry Kissinger Let's right now. Let's all face. go punch Henry Kissinger yeah. right now for Anthony. Yeah. Guys, it's a Monday interview, which means I have an amazing interview for you. Did I just say it's a Monday interview? You did. Great. Yeah. It's a Monday <laughs> interview. Uh, I spoke with the wonderful Danielle Moody Mills, who you should follow on Twitter right this second. Do it now. At D2Cents, D-E-E-2, the number two sense as in money she is the host of woke as fuck on sirius xm uh progress channel 127 sundays 10 a.m through 1 p.m uh and she is amazing she's hilarious uh brilliant all of those good things so please enjoy our interview So what I've been asking people who uh, I uh, have invited to come on the show is things are really shitty right now. So uh, I'm asking everyone if there's anything that you are listening to or watching or reading right now that's giving you joy that you would like to recommend to other people. Yeah. So right now um, the world is shit. Um <laughs> People with no political power are being deemed uh, demons for making jokes. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we have an administration that is using policy to spread white nationalism, xenophobia, transphobia, homophobia, and misogyny, and just hatred, mm -hmm. and not being held accountable for the things that they say. So what's giving me hope right now is um, Essence Magazine. Uh, released their Woke 100, which is a list of the Woke 100 uh, African-American influencers, uh, women um, covering all industries. And I'm reading through it today. And it's super like uplifting to know that there are people, uh, excuse me, that are on the front lines um, of the resistance in various places doing the hard work of trying to actually make this country a better place. Mm. So, you know, I, I often on, on my show, um, on woke AF feel like I am constantly ranting about what's wrong. So I look desperately mm -hmm. for things to, to give me hope. And, and right now it's that. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. And I, I try to stress it a lot on my own show as well, where there is so much shit going on right now that is terrible and depressing, but I am constantly inspired by and motivated by 
the young people who are like rising up right now mm-hmm. and because i remember when i was a teenager and i was a fucking idiot i really was like <laughs> i didn't know what was going on i certainly wasn't woke in any kind of way not that i'm claiming to be fully woke right now but i was like even worse as a child um and when i hear teenagers not even teenagers like 11 12 year olds talk about the world right now i'm just so constantly impressed by how aware they are and compassionate they are. And that's given me a lot of hope. Yeah. I think that it's, it's honestly, um, the beauty of the moment that they're living in. Right. Like I think, I mean, I can speak for myself. I am a child of the eighties and nineties. Right. So that puts me in my, in my, you know, in my late thirties and, you know, when I was a kid, like, yeah, I had interests when I was in high school in politics, which is eventually what I ended up going to school for. And I had interests in like the issues of the day, but they weren't as readily accessible outside of the evening news. Like, you know, we had not moved into a place of 24 hour news and where you have all of these social media platforms where everything is in your face. So I think that the ability of these kids, especially the ones that are tied um, to the March for Our Lives, um, I think that they have been able to utilize social media in a way to really get a hold of their perception on the world mm-hmm. and be able to articulate that in such in such an amazing way that you or I at that age probably did not have the language to. So I think that what they have shown with their activism after this the Parkland tragedy um, is their savviness in the way that they use social media and the way that they're able to communicate their message to the world, right? Because we always thought that social media, the internet was going to be like the death of intellectualism and the death of real connection. And they've proved us wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they, they too, you know, in the same vein that you just said, make me hopeful that like the future is not at all um, lost. Yeah. And they're just fearless too. I remember like, just when I was a teenager, the the desire to be liked was so strong. And I mean, Emma Gonzalez does not give a shit. Like the other day when Kanye tweeted that she was his hero and then she like fired back that like James Shaw Jr. is her hero. I was just like, wow, I don't know if if I had been her age and Kanye West had been like, I mean, maybe if I hadn't known as much about Kanye as I do now, but like, right. If, if a very famous person had been like, you're my hero, I might've been like, Oh wow. And she just didn't care at all. Cause but, she's, but you, yeah, but I think, but I actually think that she cares a great deal, mm. right? Like, I don't think that I, what I have appreciated about these young people. And there's one particular young girl who was at the March for our lives in Washington, DC, who was 11. Yes, okay. Yeah. Naomi, Naomi Wadler, an 11 year old, uh, black, uh, girl from, Virginia, mm-hmm. when she got up on the stage in front of a million people, completely poised, quoting Toni Morrison. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my, she got, she got my whole life together. Mm. But when you look at these young people, like they're not doing it for the celebrity. No. Like, yes, they, because of the nature of the world that we live in, when you have a lot of followers, when people are retweeting you, sharing your stuff on Instagram and all of these things, you can get to a level of, um, of celebrity, but that's not why they're doing it. I'm sure that they 
they would much rather have their friends yes. right with them at school and be normal like they were before this all happened than they are now. And so for her to push back against Kanye and lift up the young man who risked his life at the Waffle House to protect people from uh, a white nationalist that went in and shot up a place killing four people and say that he's her hero, that's turning attention to something that the media has completely neglected. Yes. But now her, with her over a million followers, can say, yeah, you want to call me your hero while you're, ma- while you're wearing a Make America Great Again uh, hat, Kanye, and you want to yeah. you call that free thought? Meanwhile, we're living in a world where the president supports white nationalism, has white nationalists in his cabinet, and then doesn't uplift the stories of African-Americans that are that are heroic and that are doing things to make this country better and safer. So she took that opportunity to say, oh, you know, okay, he wants to say this. This is what I'm going to say in return. And I thought that it was brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Um Are there any TV shows or movies you've watched recently that have been like a nice reprieve from all of the chaos? So I watch, unfortunately, a lot of things that that are not really that relaxing. Um, But I will say that I am loving the shy um, on Showtime that uh, Lena Waithe the actress producer Emmy award winner is um, is behind. Mm. I love that show. I think that it is a really humanistic depiction of Chicago outside of the statistics right. and trash that we allow politicians to talk about this city um, to really be able to see the humanness of it has been brilliant. Um, of course, one of my um, ple- I won't even say it's a guilty pleasure. It's just like a pleasure is billions. Um, I'm obsessed with billions. I think that that show has some of the most brilliant writing and storylines. Um, and I guess that's a reprieve from politics, Mm -hmm. even though it is about the takedown of, you know, billionaires via vis-a-vis the attorney general. But, um, but it is, it's, you know, I'm, I'm into that. And then trash that I watch (laughs) as a way to just like allow my brain to have a rest is Vanderpump Rules. Oh, I said it. My God. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of it. You shouldn't be. It. I'm obsessed. It, but truly the worst people in the world. The worst people in the world. <laughs> I mean, literally. Like, they they are the embodiment of a lot that is wrong, right? <laughs> but, I, but I watch it because I was their age. I was waiting tables mm. while I was, you know, going to grad school, although they don't have the school part. Totally <laughs> fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but I was waiting tables, and I remember that kind of, <laughs> like, weird, yeah. incestuous, like life where you have this group of friends and everybody dates everybody and all they do is drink and hang out. Um, and that's what you do when you're in your twenties. However, they are now getting older than that. So I'm a big concern. Yeah. I still watch it. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Like what happens or if they just keep the party going, They just, you know, (laughs) keep it going. Uh, what are you reading right now? What am I reading, uh, right now? I'm actually reading, um, a book called uh, Drop the Ball, and it is by Tiffany Dufu, who um, it is like, I don't want to say it's the antithesis antithesis to lean in, mm. but it kind of is. Uh, in, in, and Sheryl Sandberg, I think, uh, wrote one of the, uh, wrote commentary uh, about the book in the book. 
um, that Tiffany wrote, but it is essentially about the, the, there is no real balance that working women and mothers, I'm not a mother yet, but working women, uh, and mothers have to deal with in terms of being able to try and find balance, balance their home life with their ambition and, um, and being type A and all of these different things. So it's, it's a story about, um, it's a memoir about her experience, but really can be taken, um, as pretty much a page from anybody's story that is incredibly ambitious, but wants to be married and wants to have children and, you know, but wants to be at the top of their game. And then you realize that you can't do all of those things. And so that you need to drop the ball in one place, allowing somebody else to pick it up so that you can keep going. Mm. And I think that like the book is really good. It's really, it's really, it's really good. I'm not finished with it yet but I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then finally, what are you listening to right now, whether that's music or podcasts or audiobooks? Okay, so I am rocking the hell out of J. Cole's new album, K.O.D. Uh-huh. It is amazing. <laughs> and I was not even like not really a huge J. Cole fan. Like I liked his music, mm-hmm. but this album is a really amazing uh, imagery and perspective on what it means to be like a black man in America right now. And, you know, have the money, have the status and all of these things, but that you're still perceived as a threat and a problem uh, to be dealt with. And so the narrative that he weaves through the album uh, and the music and the beats are incredible. I'm also rocking um, Cardi B's album, Yep. as well. Yep. Uh, two very different sides of the of the rap coin where hers is more, you know, just a descriptor of her life, but more celebratory and fun. And I like her, her energy. And I like how um, excited she is about the moment that she's living in. And so that's kind of a joy. Um, and the beats are incredible, too. So those two things are what I'm rocking hard right now. Thanks again to Danielle. Please follow her on Twitter once again at D2Cents. And guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. You know how this goes. Here's your bad news. So this bad news section has a theme. Great. I love Themes. You're going to hate this theme. Uh, th- this theme is about how we're monsters and poor immigrants are dying because of the fact that we're monsters. Oh, great. So two immigrants have died of apparent suicides in separate incidents after being detained by U.S. authorities. Wow. One was a Honduran man in Texas who was found dead in a jail cell there of an apparent suicide uh, after he was um, separated from his wife and son, he Jesus. he had his son torn from his arms, wow. and he was uh, in Jesus. so much distress that he died by suicide. Good lord! And then there was a separate incident of an Egyptian man who uh, also died by suicide after he was detained um, in a holding area at Cairo International Airport. Uh, He was denied asylum in the United States and was about to be uh, sent back to his homeland. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then uh, another horrible story of Manuel Antonio 
uh, Sano Pache- uh, Pacheco, mm-hmm. who should have graduated from high school in Des Moines last month, uh, but he, he was the oldest of four siblings. Uh, instead, he died a brutal death in a foreign land uh, because he was deported. Jesus Christ. Three weeks after ICE returned him to Mexico, a country he had left at when he was three. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I remember literally nothing from being three years old. Nothing. Nothing, yeah. I, it's like it didn't happen. You wouldn't remember all of like the cultural nuances and like the language and how everything works when you were fucking three? If you told me right now I was born literally anywhere. You would just have to believe it. I would people. just believe it. I would <laughs> like, just have I, I would just be forced. I did. I, yeah. Like, I had, my brain wasn't solidified. Yeah, yeah. Like if you were like, Oh, actually, uh we lied to you and you were you were born in space, I would just been like, uh, all right, I get like I have no reason to not believe that. Right. Jesus. So here we have concrete examples of immigrants dying because yeah. of the Trump administration yeah. and ICE. Mm-hmm. How is this not murder? If you send somebody to a foreign country that they have no knowledge of and then they are brutally murdered, well, how are you not a murderer? If I understand... Um Current, if I understand U.S. immigration policy correctly, uh-huh. um, and just like general, general um, uh, morals uh-huh. of the United States, sure. it's that uh, if you are not a United States citizen, okay, uh, your life does not matter. Oh, I see. I see. And I see. so it can't be murder because they weren't U.S. Sure. citizens. Sure, they're not people. Yeah. Right. Right. But then I have a question: mm-hmm. Why do we care about animals when like animals die? Oh, because. Uh, those animals are in the United States and they're citizens. Oh, de facto citizens. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's why cows have passports. Right. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I get it. Uh, and then this is just bananas, this story, because it might sound very familiar to you, and I'll explain why in a second. So there are stories now of immigrants, like moms and dads, mm-hmm. um, being separated from their children and in order to keep them calm immigration officials are saying oh we're just taking them for a bath to like get them washed up Mm -hmm. and then their kids never fucking come back yeah uh which might sound familiar because that's what nazis did right in order to keep people calm while they're being destroyed um they would lie to them and say oh no we're just taking them away to right. to give them a bath because here's the thing about human beings if you take their children they'll go ham on you yeah because it's their fucking kids right uh so you have to lie to them like geez how how does anyone who work works for ice do that shit uh i mean you know uh other than the racists what you're they're racist and also just uh you know they're desensitized uh monsters yeah they're like you're breaking the law so i'm enforcing the law it's that and it's just like you know a lot of those people it's like it's literally the the rank and file nazi thing i'm just like yeah. i'm yeah. just following orders yeah. like this is my job this is what i get paid to do and listen i know that gets thrown around a lot and a lot of people think it's hyperbolic 
ICE are fucking Nazis. It's the, it's not. Everyone. They're literally deporting people, and those people are dying, and other people are dying by suicide, and they're locking women and children in fucking detention camps. They're Nazis. Well, there's like two big points I think. One is that like it, it yeah, people consider it hyperbolic to compare ICE to Nazis. It's not hyperbolic. They're literally doing the same things that they were doing, but also like people, like the thing about the Nazi, like oh, we tend to think of the Nazis and Hitler as like this you know singular bad force this like are you about to say something nice about hitler look here's the thing about hitler (laughs) oh boy oh boy this is how all the bad meetings start this is how all the bad meetings start (laughs) um (laughs) uh, he was a war hero oh god (laughs) (laughs) look he had a lot of good ideas about social psychology (laughs) all right uh um no but uh, the thing is People think of him as this sort of, you know, the him and the Nazis as like these monsters, and they were monsters. <laughs> Come on, Eric. But stick this landing. But, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the the reason that the these two things seem so similar is because we don't remember that the the you know the Nazis are called the Nazis because it was in a, you know uh, a conjunction of uh, the the first part of their name is the National Socialist Party, right? right? It's a nationalist ideology. Yes. It's the reason they exterminated Jewish people is because they were like, you are not German. Right. You are not part of us. You have to be eradicated, mm-hmm. right? This is the reason they went after gypsies and homosexuals because they were like, you are not Germans. Right. Um, and, and you must be uh, dealt with and exterminated uh, because we are, this is, you know, we care about Germany. We care about our homeland mm-hmm. and we want to make it For pure. the motherland. Yeah. Make Germany great again. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's the same. It's the, it's the nationalist. They were, they were obviously monsters and they were obviously like these horrific people, but they were guided by this, this ideology of, of nationalism and, and this sort of, you know, country pride that they had and, and wanting to make it the, you know, the best it could be or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's the same. This is the pro. I mean, there is no such thing as a humane immigration policy. There's Mm -hmm. no such thing as, you know the the as long as this this idea of the nation state exists and the you know this you know wanting to control who's coming in and you know stuff like that it's this is going to keep happening it's because it's a, the the nationalist ideology mm-hmm. that's governing these people and that's why it seems so horrific cuz i was you know being a little hyperbolic earlier but it really is like for a lot of these people that are in control of our country and for a lot of these people that work for ICE, if you're not an American citizen, your life does not matter. Right. You are not a human being. Right. That's, that's cause you, you know, you would, you should care when people are murdered or die. Like that's part of being a person. It's part of being an, uh, even an animal, like animals care about the, you know, when people die. Yeah. You well, that's I- what's so inherently evil oftentimes about bureaucracy because it is a buffer between the person filing the paperwork and the kid who gets sent back to Mexico and dies because like although I guess the Nazis proved that you can get people to actually pull the trigger too yeah but it's so easy to just sign the paperwork like I don't see the kid die right yeah I'm not a bad guy I'm just doing paperwork exactly you know and it's like no no you're participating in the chain that ultimately leads to this kid being killed. Well, and yeah, and and the the 
I think one of the interesting things about like the Milgram experiment, because the Milgram experiment, you know, was set up as a way for Stanley Milgram to understand the Nazi problem. Mm. It was like, how can these people do these things? How did it happen? Yeah. Right. And I think what's interesting is that there is still a level of separation, even if it's even for the people who are doing it, even for the people. Because this is an order. It's an order. Right. I didn't decide to do this. I didn't decide to do it. Somebody's going to throw the switch yeah it's, so i'll just be the person who throws the switch yeah exactly it's yeah. either there's people that are like there's a level of separation where it's like it's not me i'm just you know i'm just saying do it or don't do it or whatever somebody else is doing the switch for even the people that are throwing the switch yeah. there's a level of separation between them and their common humanity because it's like even if they're the ones administering it it's mm. like oh but this has to happen guys do something for me today disobey an order yeah. Just do it. Somebody gives you an order <laughs> and it's a uh, fucking immoral or bad and it makes you feel sick. You can say no. Yeah. You can. You can, you can just say no. Just and say I no. think that's And listen, sometimes there's there's a big uh price you have to pay like you get fired. But then ask yourself, do I want that job? Right. <laughs> do I want to work at fucking ice? Yeah. God, I don't think any of you work for ice. If you do, Maybe email me. I don't know. If you work for ice and listen to the show. That's bananas. Wow. That's bananas if you do. Also, quit. You Nazi. We've called you Nazis <laughs> a lot. Uh, guys, it's that time of the episode. Jump up and down. Here is your good news. So my good news for today actually keeps with our theme. Oh, I love a good theme, guys. Wow. Uh, were you on the show, Eric, when we talked about the pizza delivery man in Brooklyn who was arrested at the Army base? I don't think I was. Okay. So updates to that story. Uh, just to recap, there uh, is a man named Pablo uh, Villa Vincencio who is a 35-year-old immigrant from Ecuador, and he was just doing his fucking job when he was trying to deliver a pizza to Fort Hamilton, and the army dicks there, that's your official title, by the way, army dicks, Mm -hmm. demanded um, identification. He showed them what he usually shows them to deliver a pizza, but it wasn't enough because he is undocumented. And they arrested him. <laughs> they detained him. <sighs> and so obviously there was a threat of deportation. He could, he has two uh, daughters, I believe, and a wife that he would be separated from them. So the first thing that happened, uh, and the reason it's in the good news section, because yeah. a lot of you are probably like, Allison, what the fuck <laughs> is this? You're like, the good news is he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Radical turn. This is the moment the show becomes right. a hard right wing <laughs> yeah. talk show. Yeah. And, and Eric's the poor guest host. <laughs> and he's like, what? What? What is, what is happening? Um, so the first good thing that happened was restaurants uh, started boycotting the army base. Good. I hope I hope every re- I hope 
all of those soldiers never eat food again. <laughs> I hope everybody boycotts the fucking army base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the second good news item, um, nope, that's Andrew Garfield. That's for <laughs> a different. That's a different story, guys. Um, a judge has stopped the deportation. Great. Um, which is a obviously the much bigger good news because <laughs> it's like, cool, you're boycotting the army base. Is this guy's life destroyed? <laughs> Uh, this is really good news, but also, uh, how about, how about when I ever see a story like this or like judge stops deportation, I'm like, cool. So they can stop all of them. Yeah, I know. They can just <laughs> stop all of you them. You can just like, end this right now. Why, <laughs> like, why aren't you doing it? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, maybe the New York Times just needs to report, like they reported this on every single deportation. Like, somebody needs to contact the judge be like, Hey, that was cool. Uh, have you thought about just doing it for all of Can them? Can you like do that like a million times? And he's like, oh, I never, I never considered that. I could just do it a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. So the judge, Allison Nathan, great name. Uh, she spells it wrong though, so that's sad. Wow. You think a judge would get that fucking right? Well, this is going back in the bad news section. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> move it. Uh, of the federal district court in New York, ruled uh, for the plaintiff. Plaintiff after his lawyers filed an emergency petition earlier in the day. In her order, the judge said federal officials must file court documents before the hearing to explain why a temporary preliminary injunction should not be issued in favor of the plaintiff, who is still being detained. Um, so hopefully they just won't want to deal with the heat and fucking drop it. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I just, God, I hope life for all the soldiers at Army Base is just hell yeah i hope i because it's just like i know it wasn't all soldiers i get it i know uh, you know several thousand people didn't hashtag call. not all soldiers but like it, like it's just so emblematic of the problem like yeah this guy one of the soldiers called this guy to the base <laughs> somebody on the base called this guy to the base and the people that were at the guard station just took it upon themselves mm -hmm. he wasn't doing anything wrong he didn't he was working he, he was, was doing working. the thing that conservatives always say the good immigrants do right. where they're like oh well the good ones like they get jobs they work they yeah. support their families and like, it's like he was doing that <laughs> he was doing a good thing you know and and they just took it upon them it wasn't like they were stopping him at a traffic stop which is also not okay but i mean like it wasn't like there was some sort of pretense it was literally just like he was like lured to the base yeah. to maybe be deported yeah yeah and it was that sweet sweet intersection of like xenophobia and racism because oh, he was right. racially profiled that's why they gave him so much shit about his id right. Uh, yeah, if some beautiful fucking, America like, pasty white teenager was just didn't hair, have ID and he was like, oh, all I have is my student ID, man. They would have been like, oh, I you think they would have. I don't even know if they would have asked him if, for, if some dude showed up with like. Don't a you little, just have to show ID at an army base if you like come in? I think you have to flash something. Probably, but like, if you were like driving a car with like the like the Domino's topper on top of it, <laughs> and you were just like some just like shitty teenager, probably high, you know, <laughs> and they're just like. Hey, you need IDs. Like, I'm just delivering pizza. Like, yeah, all right, man. You know <laughs> no, what I mean? Like, what a crafty terrorist. If they had a Domino <laughs> pizza sign that they were that's, just like, all right, a, here yeah. we go. <laughs> Time to infiltrate the base. That'd be kind of brilliant. <laughs> just like a stack of empty right. pizza boxes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I know how I'm going to infiltrate an army base <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. They won't stop me. Mm -hmm. They'll stop me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So guys, that's my good news. Uh, Eric, have you seen anything or heard anything in this great city of ours that Ooh. you consider to be good? 
good news? Uh, have I seen or heard anything that I mm-hmm. consider to be good? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh, let's see. Uh-huh. The weather's been delightful. Yep. It's been pretty nice. Very beautiful weather we've had. Yeah. Um, lots of people posting beach photos on Instagram. Yeah. Which is nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- uh, let's see. I went to a show last night. What show? Well, you know, we did a show. On a oh my god, guys! Uh, <laughs> That's that. I actually that was like a really nice night. It was really nice. Uh, yeah. It was a, a comedy team named Jane Don't. Yeah. And they hosted an improv show at one of the girls' homes on the roof. Yeah. And classic, it was a classic white Brooklyn yeah. ginger fires so, having a roof party. Oh man! And I was just like, I hope Izzy has a great relationship with her neighbors because we were like so fucking loud because it was an improv show. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, but it there were so many people there, and like it was there were a lot of people there who I didn't know were gonna be there. Yeah, and it was just like a nice reunion and it was a good. Nice. And the weather was perfect, and we had a very funny show. Chloe was beyond drunk. Oh my god! Chloe had gone out with some friends of hers and started at brunch that morning 1 30 p.m was when she started drinking she showed up and i was like how drunk are you and she's like i have five margaritas i just shot tequila <laughs> and i was like oh my god <laughs> she was so drunk that twice in our set i had to call out that she was drunk <laughs> and like label her that as her character like trait because it was i couldn't get around it i was just like she's hammered i have to point this out when chloe showed up <laughs> Chloe showed up. I didn't see her come in. I was talking to somebody else. And I turned around and I went, Chloe. And she flicked me off. <laughs> she kept flicking off everyone. That like, But like laughing while she was doing it. I was just like, oh my God. Uh, and then she kept insisting she wasn't drunk. And I would make eye contact with yeah. whoever she was insisting to that she wasn't drunk. And I was like, she is very yeah. intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much yeah. so. Uh, uh, but despite all the odds, uh, we had a very good a show. Trooper, yeah. Despite that having happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that was, I count that as good news. Yeah. That was uh, very fun. And then I went to a show afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to see uh, what the fuck, of Eric? mine. What the fuck? You went Honestly, to another show after this ours? This might be, uh, this might have been the first Saturday night ever that I got home after both you and Chloe. Did I explain to you what happened? No. Okay, I don't know what happened. Because I, I realized I after the fact, I just disappeared. Yes. Okay. Well, f- so first off, Faith was planning to go out with you guys. Yes. I remember then, that. I was like, fuck. I hope Faith <laughs> like wasn't waiting. Uh, no. Originally, Faith and I were going to go to the show, and then you guys started talking about going out, and Faith was like, oh, maybe I'll go out with them. And I was like, all right, cool. I mean, I'm just going to the show because my friends are playing, and, and I really love them a lot. Yeah. And, we uh, talked a big game, and we were like, yeah, we're all going out. We're going mm-hmm. out. We're going out. You you we, you we and I were briefly talking about recording this real early in the day, and you were like, nope, I'm going out, so I can't do it early in yeah. the morning. And I was like, cool. Yep. What, no big deal. Um, and, and then... then all of a sudden, I go, where's Chloe? Because Chloe just, like, disappeared. Right. So I go downstairs into Izzy's apartment, the girl who was hosting the show, and I find Chloe and Julia passed out on the couches. <laughs> and I was like, I think Chloe was still awake. Julia was out. And I was like, oh, my God. So I sit down next to them, and, like, Chloe says, like, oh, Julia's going to rally. And I was like, okay, because she's asleep right now. And then all of a sudden, I go, should we go home? And Chloe was like, Yes. So we woke up Julia and we all uh, ordered like cars uh-huh. and went downstairs and went home. <laughs> but I was in bed by like 10. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw. I saw on uh, on on the gram. Yeah, it's on the Instagram. I'm so glad I did that though, because I had so much shit to do today, yeah. and if I had gone out, I would have been destroyed. I went to. I'm kind of mad at myself that I ever humored the idea. <laughs> Although, did I really in my heart? I don't know. Maybe I always knew I was going to go home. I don't know. You guys seem pretty stoked about going out. Thank <laughs> God. Thank God. Julia fell asleep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> what I love about Chloe is that. Chloe, I don't think likes the party, but feels obligated to. She likes it, but then she's also so happy if she doesn't go out. Yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I had so much energy today, <laughs> and then like forgets, and she's like, let's go out and do shots. And yeah. I'm like, but you were so happy right. when you didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was uh, yeah. This weekend's been a real like good. Yeah. Yesterday it was like just chaining together like cool things. Like yeah, I went to a rooftop improv show formed it was a nice it's beautiful beautiful view mm. of the city uh we can see then, the empire state building oh yeah yeah i could i can see that from my room which is crazy uh i used to be able to see it and then they built a big fucking building in what the way of it fucking assholes yeah. yeah yeah um but then yeah i just went from there i went to see i this band from brooklyn uh called sleepies uh a bunch of years ago, I found them online. And I like really love them, and then they, I just like randomly, call, they were going on tour and they needed help in Alabama, and I, with absolutely, I cold emailed them and was like, I can book you a show. Had no idea whether I could or not. Oh my god! I was just like, just the confidence of a white man. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I can. I mean, at that point, I had been like, I you know knew enough people. I'd been playing in bands around Alabama, so it was like I knew people, and I was like pretty sure i could put together a show but was just like very confidently emailed them i was like yeah i can definitely get you a show and then it was just like <laughs> was frantically texting yeah. everyone oh i knew God. i was like hey can we play your place like can we do this so i did put them together a show mm-hmm. um and uh we became friends and nice. then uh they're great and um they've been a band for 10 years now wow and this was a part of a north side festival and they were this is like their 10 year anniversary show very cool um it was great. Great. Guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Please follow Eric on Twitter at Eric, E-R-E-K, underscore Smith. That's me. Uh, please follow Danielle. Tell her how great she was uh, during the interview, how much you enjoyed it, all oh, that yeah. stuff. And, hey, while you're at it, go to latetreason.news and become a member so I can keep bringing you shows and all of that good stuff for as little as $5 a month you can support this sweet ass show with no commercials. Wow. Did you hear one commercial on this did episode? You? you didn't. Did you think about it? Think How about is it real that hard. even you? freaking possible? Because of your support. So uh, keep supporting, sign up to support, upgrade your support, all good options. Mm-hmm. And guys, thanks for listening. While you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>